We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well. We just got done finishing uh, watching the All Star Game, a game the sleeping in which pill that was the All Star Game. Yeah, I'm pretty. You're tired. <laughs> I understand why you're tired. It's actually it's close to 11 p.m. here Eastern time, and I'm pretty wired. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I think I've had a good experience just laughing along with everyone else to the yearly experience that is the all-star game a game in which all parties should feel equal amounts of shame (laughs) but like we are also all at fault the clowns that we are for tuning into this every year and like assigning it a certain importance and then especially (laughs) for getting on our soapboxes once a year on twitter whatever social media platform and saying it's bad complaining (laughs) saying it's bad and complaining about how bad it is as if you didn't remember that it was just as bad the year before yeah. Uh, so that was my experience watching the All-Star Game. Luckily, did get a few cool uh, Devin Booker highlights. Some yep. touchdown passes. You clip those. Yep. Uh, we got, you know, a good amount of minutes just getting to watch Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker both on the court. But didn't mean too much in the grand scheme of things. 18 points for Durant, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Devin Booker, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals. Stats that you would be like, wow, that's pretty good until you find out that one team scored over 200 points and <laughs> the stats were just insane for anyone that was involved. Carl Anthony Towns scored over 50 points. He uh, had in, a 50 in ball in a losing effort and actually credit to Cat because some of the dunks he was pulling off and in this one I did not know he had in his bag. Yeah, it was uh, fun. So that was pretty cool. Also, just looking at the box score, some like really sneaky stat lines here. Jalen Brown somehow had 36 points for the East in this game. I had, yeah. n- had no idea <laughs> that he had Hitting scored threes. that much. Yeah. It felt like Damian Lillard was on. A, I don't think they've even announced the MVP yet. That's how soon after we're recording this thing. But it seemed like Damian Lillard was coming for it. And then Tyrese Halliburton 
uh, just rattled off a lot of threes. He was getting the biggest reactions from the crowd, naturally, because it's his home turf. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Is there any way to save this thing? Th- th- I don't that's know. What I don't the know. National pods are going to be talking about too. I honestly, I was thinking, and this is you know partially because we talk about this later in the podcast. We recorded the questions from the mailbag before the game. We're just recording this part after the game. But uh, I found myself thinking I had more fun with Saturday night All Star Saturday night this time than I did with the Sunday night game. And I don't know that there is like there's some aspect people complain of, about Saturday equally. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. And I'm just saying about how bad it is. It's sure. a bad thing that I had more fun Saturday because Saturday in general pretty bad in, in usual years. Um, but in some years, if the game is close, it tightens up at the end. They play defense for the last five minutes of the game. Didn't even happen this time, right? The game was really never close. It was never close enough. Hit a ton of threes in the first half. It never got like closer than like you know it was like twenty points most of the game, and uh, so it never even got to the point where they started to play defense. It looked like for a while there, KD was trying to get the team to play defense, and Devin Booker taking from his lead a little bit was trying to get the team to play defense. But if one guy is trying and four guys aren't. Nothing happens. So, of course, they just lose any effort. And anyone else who's trying to play defense at all at any moment just loses any effort in doing that. So it just becomes what it is, which is just, you know, in some ways, uh, two globetrotter teams playing against each other for show. You know, it's entirely like like a show instead of a game. And I guess that's okay. I don't know. Like, maybe the problem is having any expectations for this game at all. Like, it's not one of those things I feel like where we look back to the past and say, man, it was so much better. I don't know if it ever was. Was it? Was was it ever better than this? Uh, yeah. Honestly, man, that's a great question. I'd have to go back because nostalgia, <clears throat> I want to say yes. Like, I want to say that the games that I watched growing up, which did not have final scores of 200 to 186, but like maybe 140 to 130 or something a little bit more reasonable, were better than this. But if I actually went back and watched them, I don't really think they were. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say. I think the other problem is there's such an there's such an entrenched culture of hatred around the NBA now <laughs> where everyone loves being a hater so much. Uh and and I'm guilty of this too, right? I enjoy being a hater too much. <laughs> it's it's part of being when you're terminally online and you know all the jokes. Like every time Paul George was on the floor at the same time as Devin Booker, I was like, get this guy off the court. Why is, <laughs> you know, this this is a war crime to have these two sharing the court together. But even worse than that, some of the most memorable moments of the game to me, you know, because I, I wasn't necessarily interested in this just being a layup line. So then some of the most memorable moments become when guys fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah, Giannis, like the Luka misdunk. Yeah. Luca missing the yeah he threw out he threw down a great dunk like 30 seconds before that but then he <laughs> came down the court again and Luca tried an off the backboard one-handed dunk that he flubbed and it was hilarious yeah. or Giannis got to the free throw line to shoot like two of you know the three free throw attempts that were taken <laughs> between the two uh, teams all game long and the Pacers fans were counting down for yeah. him to hurry up his process, and he missed the free throw. That was hilarious. Paul that George airball. That's one of the best moments of the All Star game. <laughs> Paul you know? George so airballed like, a layup too. I think that was pretty funny. What do we What do we do with that? I don't. Yeah. I don't even know how you begin to salvage that. They should put the trade deadline during the All Star game. <laughs> Just <laughs> lean into the fact that people seem to only care 
about in fact have the entire nba there <laughs> wearing their jerseys and when they're traded they should walk out onto the court and change jerseys into the new team say, that they're traded I, to. I, I will say this entire like there's always one guy every year first half of this season I was clowning on the Boston media for being like Derek White should be an all-star you yeah because right. there's always that one role player who some team often a big market tries to shoehorn into the game but what I will say for Derek White is at least if he were in there you know at least if most role players were in there you probably would have been able to feel that like they would have put that effort and, and that hustle into the game i i think they would like maybe split- I, I feel like you just lose it because if it's one guy playing defense it just at, at a certain point you end up looking dumb because you're trying really hard and then they pass to a wide and open three point just- shooter with nobody in within sure. 20 feet of them yeah sure because that happened with kd and book multiple times you know of course i noticed when it happens to them um, you know, but like Bam Adebayo's in there. Bam Adebayo's not in there because his offense is amazing, and he's just letting guys drive by him to the rim. Anthony Davis is in there letting guys drive by him to the rim. Like, Real even quick, the guys that are known for their defense are not putting any defense in this game. Some some popular solutions that have been brought up year after year about this. I mean, are all bad. Just, <laughs> yeah, you could just offer the players cash. The players okay, well, are rich. Yeah, the players are rich. The that doesn't make game, fans want to watch it, yeah. The players are already rich. Well, yeah, but it, the, the theory is the fans will come if the players care. But the ratings for this game are not that good that you can just be like, everyone wins a million dollars. These are that. the highest paid players, too. It's not like they the in-season need. tournament where Ish Wainwright could have got a million dollars. Exactly. They should not need that motivation. So cross that idea off the list. Idea number two that people always bring up, winning team uh, secures home court advantage for that conference that conference is yeah team awful no uh, in, way in the in the nba finals <laughs> um i i think that one's a little better the problem is still like you know trey young doesn't give a shit if <laughs> if his team wins yes, or loses exactly. and, you know because like what does he care the hawks aren't making the finals you know most of those guys there maybe about half of them are just not making the finals so like it, is that really going to make a difference to them it's if the stakes matter for only one team, really, you know, like it's just bizarre. It can't, I don't think that can work. I don't, I don't think that would work. Any other solutions? Uh, I can't think of any. I mean, I joked on Twitter, just take a hostage from every player's family, but you know, like that's, that's the sort of stuff that it sounds like people kind of want. Um, yeah, I don't know how this is like that year that Giannis, that year that Giannis was, was trying to get better at shooting free throws. And, uh, I think he was having his wife run laps if he missed instead of him. <laughs> so it, it motivated him to shoot better free throws. Yeah, you know, that, I that's say, your idea, right? Giannis was trying to shoot threes in this game, and I would yeah. clown on He missed all three. I would clown on him for that were it not for the fact that Book could not find his range in this game either. <laughs> I think he missed six One or for seven, seven I himself. think he ended it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Look. Yeah. We're it's gonna not watch the, it. It's not the type of game that Book is good in, to be honest. Like, he likes to play against defense. He's you know, okay. I mean, he he can get up. Uh, the the touchdown passes the range on that on was his fun. playmaking is great, and yeah. he can get up for dunks. I think he had an alley oop finish. Uh, was a beneficiary of a pass from LeBron. So like, he's not bad. He's not like Jokic, who's like b- struggling to even get up the floor, or Luca, <laughs> yeah, who's just plays funny. such a who just plays such a slow game that was really struggling at times. Really not made for the All Star game. We are going to continue to watch it every year. I just know we are. It is still great to have a Suns representative. And yeah, yeah. Similar to 
a conversation I think we're going to have later when it comes up in the mailbag. Another thing that would help is if the commentators would not just crap on the product. Yeah, I, I don't they were better it, tonight, I think, mostly. Uh, you know, there were, there were a couple examples. There yeah, were a couple yeah. of really bad commentary examples that everyone's talking about. Uh, and that's another bad sign, too. If, you know, we get to the end of the night and everyone's talking about the commentary instead of the product on the floor, that's concerning. Shout yeah. out the city of Indianapolis and the city of San Francisco. Uh, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. Did Dwayne have the moment, Dwayne Rankin, have the moment of the game? <laughs> in his we have news to actually like actual news that he broke during the game the most i perked up during the broadcast when i went to twitter and saw Dwayne say go ahead multiple things well the report was about bradley beal that bradley beal had his nose procedure done which was always planned during the all-star break well it was hinted that it was always planned during the all-star break to, to fix his broken nose and also that his hamstring was okay and it appears that he should be okay to play Thursday at Dallas, which is the first game back for the Phoenix Suns after the All-Star break. So Bradley Beal should be good to go as far as uh, playing the very next game, which is great news. I'm sure he'll still be in that mask for a while as his whatever recovery it takes from the... Uh, surgery on his nose i'm sure that's going to take a few weeks to recover from as well uh but good to see him out there that's that's the best possible situation for the suns really that he only misses one game and also the game where he actually left yeah this is exceptional news i was prepared i i think we weren't too concerned uh in general about this injury after it happened just based on kind of what the vibes were that night um and and the day after it felt like this was not an injury that was going to keep beal out long term but still, you were prepared for a possibility that he needs some time to rehab following surgery and that maybe he would miss several games, uh, up to like up to a few or several games after the All-Star break. So the idea that he could be back as early as Thursday and not miss any time, any additional time at all is just great. Um, hope we get off on the right foot All-Star break, post-All-Star break, because we are going to be playing a lot of playoff teams coming up. Yep. It's going to be a rough, rough stretch for the Suns coming up. We got a lot of questions to get to, so let's let's switch over to um, the mailbag portion of this podcast, which we recorded before the All Star Game. I do real quick before I do that. I do want to give one quick shout out to Ann Myers Drysdale, who was given an award during the All Star Game. She was the recipient of the 2024 Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Advocacy Award. Um, which is just pretty cool for her to, to, to receive that award. And uh, she's part of the Suns broadcasting crew, so it's it's definitely something that we want to give her a shout-out for. Uh, so congratulations to her. And we'll switch over to the mailbag. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, thank you everyone for sending us questions for today's podcast. As we normally do, I'm just going to go in order that they're presented to me online and we'll get through as many questions as we possibly can before this podcast gets too long. Are you ready, Sam? There is no bias involved in the process. Blame Elon Musk chooses it, yeah. Yes, (laughs) blame Elon Musk uh, if we don't get to... There are 44 questions here to get to, so I will not waste any more time, Mike. Let's try and answer as many as possible. Okay, uh, first question is from Zach, and he says, what is the ideal fit for the last roster spot on the Suns? So the Suns have 14 players, can roster up to 15 players for the playoffs, so they have one more spot remaining, and they can fill that with, I guess, a buyout guy or one of the other options, Sam. We haven't talked about this much, but uh, one of the two-way guys, like Saban Lee, actually played some minutes recently. The Suns don't really have another point guard on the roster. They could also fill it with one of those two guys. But what do you think? Yeah, well, a couple other people actually mentioned in their questions, I think, Saban Lee, so it's good that you brought that up. Um, I I think Saban had one really good game recently, and he has a strong chance going down the stretch to potentially be converted for that spot. Two guys who we didn't get to talk about, um, at least not in the main feed in the past week because they were both signed, is Danilo Gallinari came off the market. Uh, I know the Suns were rumored to be interested in him at one point. He would have just been a shooter. He can't defend. He can't do much else, but would have been a really good shooter. Um, And the other guy who came off the market that I really think would have been good, he ended up going to the Miami Heat, is DeLon Wright, uh, who just would have been Jordan Goodwin, but a thousand times better at the point guard position, capable of hitting the three, capable of running an offense, and uh, just a really scrappy defender. Uh, Now that those guys are off, I think the only... The only player who we're still kind of waiting to see if maybe he gets waived and maybe he'd be a really good fit is Otto Porter Jr. But outside of Otto Porter, and and even there, like I don't know if he, I don't know if you brought in Otto Porter right now if he would get minutes because you know I think we've got some questions later too about like what's the seven man, what's the eight man rotation in the playoffs, like whoever this next spot goes to, I don't know if that's ultimately going to be someone who's playing in the playoffs. I don't even know if Thad Young is going to play in the playoffs, and I loved the Thad Young signing. So uh, there, there's a lot of stuff up in the air right now. But it could be Saban. could just be Saban. There's nobody really available that I think like the Suns would be desperate to get on the roster in order to play in the playoffs. Like we're, we're, we're past that point of the buyout market. It's just sort of guys that would fill the end of the bench. It's kind of how I felt about Gallinari before he was signed uh, onto the Bucks. 
it's just guys that would play in the regular season to help you have bodies available if you if you need guys that can play. How did you and, feel uh, about Delon Wright? Because I feel like us two we yeah. didn't get a chance to talk about it. No, we didn't. I, I think that would have been that would have been fine. Like it, it's it's actually kind of weird now because now I'm kind of thinking about the last roster spot as what do the Suns need positionally more than like as what do they need depth wise more than what can be available for the playoffs because if I'm thinking of it more as like a regular season end of the last run before the playoffs move it's a, it's it's a little bit of a different conversation because part of me is like maybe they need a big you know because now they only have two centers on the roster I mean not that they didn't before but if you're thinking bowl bowl could play minutes at center like consistently if one of these two guys goes down the starting in you know Drew Eubanks or Yusuf Nurkic then I guess you could feel comfortable just having Bol Bol in that role. But if you're planning on using Bol Bol as a power forward, which they've done for most of his minutes, do they need another center uh, yeah, out there in order to, to help? But That's that's mm-hmm. why they brought in Thad Young. You know, I, yeah, and like so they Thad can play that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they could have gone even further and brought in Thad Young and then also signed... I don't even know who the best center is. Bismack was out there. Right he's not, he's yeah, not Biz- anymore. I was going to use yeah. Bismack as an example of like a traditional center, but he's not there. So like who even would that be? So another is a point guard. Robin which I Lopez, guess kinda, you know? Like, yeah, Robin Lopez is an example. Yeah. So another is, is option is a point guard. Um, and you can talk about DeLon, right? He's gone. He would have been perfect. He's not quite a great point guard, but he's a good guard and can guard the point guard position defensively and the Suns can cobble together enough offense outside of that considering that he's capable of making a catch and shoot three-pointer to, to make up for that and you know when I look at the market that's available now I do kind of think maybe Saban Lee is just better than the other guys trying to find their way into the Suns right now you just promote him if you need him uh, in that last roster spot so there's nobody that I would find entirely interesting. Otto Porter Jr., if he does get bought out, that would be fine. I'd be happy with that. He would be at the sort of end of the bench and playing minutes if guys are injured. Other than that, it's it's nothing really moves me in a way that I'm really overly concerned with. Um, but maybe a point guard, Saban Lee, moves up. and I, I, guess, Real, I guess at this point I'd be happy if Saban, Saban Lee was in that last roster spot. I mean, it's easy to say right now. He he really was very good in the Detroit game, the last game before the All-Star break. Just real quick on Saban Lee before we move on. He had 12 free throw attempts in that game in 24 minutes. Would you like to guess, <laughs> because we love making unfair comparisons, apples to oranges course, comparisons okay. on this podcast. Would yeah. you like to guess DeAndre Ayton's career high in free throw attempts? Thirteen. <laughs> uh, it is it is 14, so credit to you okay. for being on the right side yeah. of that. Saban Lee did not match DeAndre Ayton's career high. However, that career high 14 free throw attempts from Ayton was in his rookie season. Uh, and since then, he has not <laughs> had another game uh, matching what Saban Lee just did against the Detroit Pistons in a random February regular season game. So when we talk about, again, one guy's a center and the other is a point guard. One guy drives the ball a lot. The other can't dribble. But... Saban Lee is very, very good at flailing. He's got one skill. And exaggerating <laughs> yeah. that contact. Yeah. And who knows? You know, maybe that's maybe that's a real skill for him that's going to keep him in the NBA for a little while longer. I guess I just don't really... Uh, I just wouldn't mind it if he was available to play more games. The, the two-way guys are limited to 50 games where they're available, um, whether they play or not, I believe. And at some point, those guys, assuming they've been available for quite a few games so far, I'm not really sure how many it's been, but the Suns have had enough injuries that they've probably been available depending on the games. Um, But 
they could run out of those games. So you got to, if you want them to play in the playoffs, which you don't really, <laughs> you got to put them on their, on their main roster. So we'll see what they end up doing with that. Maybe they do nothing. Is that okay, Sam? If they just leave a roster spot open, they only required to have 14. Or are we going to attack Matt Ishbia for that after, after the, the deadline? I mean, at the very least, you need to convert one of the two-way guys and like fill a roster spot. I just don't see what what's the purpose of going into the playoffs with literally one rust, roster spot open. It just doesn't yeah, make he any did sense. Go, he did go on ESPN and talk about how no fan cares about how much money he spends on the luxury tax, which is true. I mean, yeah, I care I, I, in I that I want just, him to spend more. I, I would love for him to spend more, and if there were a certain target out there that we could really... like, They got their guy, in my opinion, in Thaddeus Young, so that was already a great move. Um but you need the bodies. Like <laughs> you need to actually fill the roster with as many bodies as possible. So at the very least, they should do that. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay, next question. This is from Michael. He asks, Why don't we play more sets? I I respect ISO ball, but wouldn't it be easier to use Brad rolling off the ball screen? Uh so it sounds like he's talking about Brad being the screener. Um we get this question a lot, I feel like. At the very least, it happens a lot in the replies. Uh, when when we talk about games that are going on during the regular season. And my impression of, of the way people are looking at this often is is a little bit different in that the Suns do actually run a lot of sets. I, it, at least I see it happen in just about every single game on just about every single offensive possession. Sometimes it's just a basic screen and roll, right? Yusuf Nurkic or Drew Eubanks comes up and screens for Brad or KD or Booker while everyone else spreads the floor. But technically, that's just a screen and roll set. That's a play. I don't feel like we run a lot of iso ball unless there's a mismatch in either a switching um, scheme or in transition. What do you think? Oh, shit. Let me put, can, I, can you give me a second to pull up the actual ISO stats on NBA.com so that I can put a stat to that? Because I don't feel like we run a ton more ISO ball than other teams either. Um, I just want to give, what's his name who asked this question? Michael, I can tell you right now, Suns are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in ISO ball possessions per game. Yeah, which kind of makes everyone sense. Everyone above them, the other than the have. Brooklyn Nets, are playoff teams too. Clippers, Mavericks, sure. 76ers, Celtics, Thunder... And then you got the Nets, which I don't yeah. know why they run so much iso ball, and then the Suns. It's sort of a chicken and egg thing because if you have good players, then defenses are going to be more compelled to switch everything on you uh, in order to try and contain the fact that you have great iso players. And the more the teams switch everything on you, the more that creates more isolation opportunities. You're just taking what the defense gives you, right? So it's kind of just by virtue of having awesome players that the Suns are seeing defenses that then encourage them to take even more isolation shots which in a lot of cases I don't think is a bad thing I think he makes a good point though that you know using Brad as a screener for the other two guys is something that we've been encouraging them to use this season mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. I still would like to see even more of that um, but no also the, the Suns do run sets no doubt yeah I think even the switching scheme like if if a team is switching on the Suns and then that ends up with somebody that's like six three on Kevin Durant, it'd be weird to go away from that. Now technically you're running a screen in order to get that advantageous switch to begin with, and although it does end in him isolating or posting up against a smaller and maybe inferior defender, technically you ran a set to get to the the ball to him in that scenario. So you're trying to attack the weak yeah. points defensively. No, it's and, that's you know ultimately really, that's, that's the point really of any set. Point. That's a really good point that fans should be mindful of, right? If you're asking for Bradley Beal to screen for Kevin Durant 
and then you get a successful outcome of that screen, which is an isolation possession. Maybe sometimes the double is going to come on the post in Kevin Durant, and then he's got a swing-swing, and you get it to the weak side, and there's a shooter or whatever. But a lot of times, it's going to be Kevin Durant matched up with a 6'4 defender, and you want him taking that isolation turnaround jumper because he's Kevin Durant, right? So I, I guess fans just need to be very mindful of what concretely they're asking for um, and kind of paying attention to what is the initial action on on every offensive play. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the offense is... It's tough to, to me to, like, really center in on the offense as a problem with this team. I think more than anything else, the main problems that the offense has ran into throughout the season is a lack of playing together. You saw it over the longer stretch where Bradley Beal was finally healthy that it really started to click and it still has another gear that it can get to. And I think the more they play together, the better the offense will look as, as time goes on. Um, this one's from Snoop Von Poop. <laughs> is Devin Booker the greatest Suns player ever? Yes. We didn't talk about this, by the way. He, he passed, I think it was Alvin Adams yeah. to be number two all time he's got in in Phoenix Suns scoring so he's, he's got, one got more another pass. season to pass Walter Davis for number one by end of next season it could happen um I think the answer is yes already I understand that that's a controversial statement especially as I understand it uh if I try and say that to I think older people understandably a controversial statement and I think still if you try and say that to People who have been following the NBA for a long time but are not Suns fans, it would be a controversial statement. Now, here's what I'll say. Devin Booker is not, like, the greatest son of all time in terms of his peak. Is not He's not a more valuable player right now, I don't think, than MVP Charles Barkley. Uh, you could even make the case that he's not a more valuable player right now than, than Kevin Durant is as a son right now. You could right. make that case I, I don't know we go back and forth on that we try not to encourage that that discussion too much on the podcast at least sometimes I troll about it online but but that's about yeah. as deep into it as I want to get uh, but if we're just talking about taking in all of the accomplishments uh for book overall and what he's done for the franchise I think he's already the greatest son ever but I think assuming he plays another several seasons with this franchise and he locks up the rest he locks up the scoring record and you know if he gets the ring then it's it has to be unanimous at that point. But even if he doesn't get the ring, I think he's still going to have a really good a really good case. What do you think? I think he has a really good case right now. You know, the farthest the Suns have ever gotten in the playoffs is where Devin Booker was the best player um, on the team as far as any other player has ever gotten on this team. And I think for that alone, you could give him some credit. But when it's all said and done, he's going to own the record books for the Phoenix Suns. And he'll. I think it'll be pretty definitive at that point. Um, if you want to argue with it now, I think, like you said, it's a fair thing to argue. Uh, but I think it'll be pretty obvious uh, at some point that he just is. Um, this one's from his name on Twitter, Mbappe for MVP. Let's hope everything goes fine and the Suns make it to the playoffs, which is high probability, he mentions. And all players are healthy on the team and around the league. What do you think would be the best matchups for our team through each hypothetical round in a road to the title now as i'm reading that it makes me think that i should look at the standings right now to see even what who the suns would play i think it's the <laughs> sure. nuggets right now right uh right now it we is. are the fifth yeah. seed so it's still the nuggets but yes we are officially all-star break happening right now game's gonna come back in a few days and then 
buckle up, folks. You should be checking the NBA standings every day because yeah. it's going to start changing really rapidly, especially with seeds one through four. Uh, look, I think the ideal would be if we can get into a better position, like if we can continue to crawl up the standings. We're only three games behind Denver right now. We have two games left against Denver between now and the end of the season. It's not an impossibility. And then we end up playing someone like Sacramento in the first round that we just know we can, we kind of have their number. Uh, you just go small ball the entire series and, and blow them out. Um, but, you know, assuming it's going to be one of those four teams at the top, though, probably in the first round, Mike, uh, do you have any preferences? It's uh, it's tough because it's it's a weird m- moment, I think, in the Western Conference where none of these teams feel like they're absolute world beaters. The Timberwolves are playing the best by far right now. It's kind of like a, a, a conference full of a bunch of really great teams and the Suns are just one of them. And none of them feel like absolute guarantees that you could be in the first round other than if you made it up the standings like you're talking about and you play even the Lakers or the Kings, you'd feel pretty confident <laughs> in those. Other than that, maybe the Pelicans, if they drop, but the Pelicans have and been I playing mean, well. It's just how much do you trust how well they're playing. To be honest, even those teams too, like you don't feel like it's a guarantee against it. Like if we play the Mavs in the first round among the playoff teams, net rating wise, the Mavs might be the, the worst team. But I don't trust the Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs. Yeah. I just yeah. don't. Like, that's not a, Fair. a matchup that I want to see. Um, I, look, I think the two teams that I don't want to see, I know Denver's struggling right now, but I don't want to see Lost the Denver. Lost three in a row. Don't yeah. want to see the Denver Nuggets in the first round. I mean, come on. And I'm going to – I sound like a broken record. People can make fun of me for it in our Discord. I don't care. The Los, Los Angeles Clippers – uh, are very good <laughs> and we both I think are afraid of them and, and have the right to be afraid of them uh, so that leaves Minnesota and OKC and Minnesota and OKC are two very different types of teams they're similar in the sense that they're both equally not battle tested in the playoffs that's good yeah if you're uh-huh. going up against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker guys who have you know lots of skin in the game uh, but one of those teams is an offensive juggernaut and the other one is a defensive juggernaut. And which one in particular I'd rather play, I'm honestly not sure. I think the Suns might match it better with OKC, just size-wise, right? Because I'm not they're sure trying to because... Sp- yeah, keep going, though. Keep going. If they're trying to spread the Suns... They, first of all, they're not huge. The Suns... I, I'm not, I don't know that the Suns have actually struggled with size. I'm used to thinking about the Suns in a way that they've struggled with size. I don't know that that's necessarily true so far this season, but they have done a good job going small when you put KD at center. The way OKC plays, they don't have any true bigs. They play with smaller guys playing at center with Chet as their starting center. You can put him out there on Kevin Durant and try to attack as much as possible. He's been a good defender, but he's also in his rookie year, you know, for all intents and purposes. And uh, and maybe you try to exploit that matchup as much as possible. It's and, weird you know, because it'd, it'd be tough to have Nurkic out there when he starts uh, in the perimeter chasing Chet around if you do end yes. up starting Nurkic, though. Yeah, well, I mean, both teams have some great shooters. I, I guess, you know, Nurkic could guard Gobert in the Minnesota matchup, but obviously the thing that separates Minnesota, their unique identity is they've got Carl Anthony Towns, a power forward, and they're one of the yeah. only, if not the only team that still does the dual big thing. Uh, on the one hand, it poses a challenge for the Suns. On the other hand, it poses a challenge for the Timberwolves. Is Kaka yeah. the guard KD? 
No. You know? Well, I definitely guess, not i guess mcdaniels is gonna guard kd but it's then but then who guards devin booker do you put carl on exactly. sounds like grayson it's, allen yeah <laughs> it's a weird it's it's gonna be a weird matchup thing and i just between those two teams i don't know man those are the two that i guess you'd you'd prefer to play in the first round but i'm not sure that there are no safe bets and as scott coleman asked a similar question is there any point in matchup hunting in round one and no I don't think so. The Suns need to just win as many games as possible, try to secure home court advantage in at least one round in the playoffs, and that, I think, is their best goal, right? One thing I will point out, though, that's going to be pretty amusing, four of our last six games in the regular season are against the Timberwolves and the Clippers. Two games against the Timberwolves, two games against the Clippers in like the last week and a half of the season, which... If the, those teams like are as bunched up in the standings as they are right now, it's just going to be like the Suns would never admit to it, and I don't even think they would do it. But like if they could go two and zero against the Timberwolves and like intentionally tank a couple of games against the Clippers, and suddenly the, <laughs> suddenly the Clippers are the one seed, and you play the Timberwolves in the first round or something, it's just there could be some interesting outcomes there that are going to be fun to to follow along with. Yeah, that I think more than anything, if the Suns are going to play or if they have the opportunity to play either of those teams like will the coach will the coaches of those two teams kind of tip their hats at what's coming in the playoffs or will they both just try and run the most too. vanilla boring offenses as possible that is a great point and or just see what happens will you know let's say the clippers are one game behind the t-wolves for the first seed in the west and it's april 15th and are the Suns just going to start Saban Lee at point guard for a game? <laughs> yeah, just, rest everyone for and, the first time in the season, right? And just, yeah, like try and play it off as a as a rest thing. I don't know. I don't know if you can still do that under the current rules or not, but it would be fun to, to watch them try. Matt's got deep pockets. They'll be fine. Um, so Cal Sun said, do you guys think Chris Paul should be in the ring of honor? And if he is... What do they do? What do they do if Beal gets retired with the same number? First of all, that would be a great scenario where Beal earns that as well. So I like the idea and the hopefulness of this question. the The conversation about Chris Paul in the Ring of Honor, I, we may have even talked about it on this podcast, but it's something that's been brought up by other people in the past. And I think the question is sort of longevity versus like success, because when Chris Paul was on the Suns, they had their best offensive season ever. Uh, or their best win season ever, I think. And they had their, of course, their trip to the NBA Finals, but he was only on the team for a few years. So the question is, even though he was only on the team for the few years, but they were extremely successful, is that enough to be in the ring of honor for the Phoenix Suns? What do you think, Sam? It's enough for a team that has never won a championship, but I think we're striving to be a team with success. Uh, and so I think we should set a precedent that we're we're not going to put him in the ring of honor just for getting to the NBA finals, just as a consolation prize. I yeah, think, I, 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 I think mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously we're putting like if you want to be mean about it, we're putting, quote unquote, losers in the ring of honor right now. Sean Mary yeah. and Mari Stoudemire never yeah. won anything with the Suns. But the difference is those guys gave a decade of their careers, respectively. Right. Exactly. Like eight and yeah. nine years to the team. Mm-hmm. And I love Chris Paul to death. I will always defend him. Uh, for the value that he brought to this team the three years that he was here, I just don't think it's enough for him to really have been embraced by the community in the same way. If they had beaten the Bucks, no doubt he's in. Because yeah. they didn't, like, you know, would the Lakers have retired a player's number for that? No. Would the Celtics have retired a player's number for what Chris Paul did? No. No. Yeah. Neither should we. 
if, if we're being honest with ourselves. I think that's probably the right take, but I will add to that. If they did decide to do it after Chris Paul has retired 10 years from now, probably wouldn't be mad. I'd, I would probably go to that game and have a good yeah, time. Yeah, I'm not going to rail against the guy. I would, yeah. You know, we sure. got... You know, we have like 37-year-old Mikael Bridges on the court shaking Chris Paul's hand. You know, that, and as this as the crowd goes wild, hopefully there's an actual banner in the stands by that point. I mean, though. Chris Paul has a really interesting career because the Hornets should retire his number. I don't know if they will, but they should. Yeah. And the Clippers should retire his number. I don't know if they will, but they should. Uh, the Rockets won't. <laughs> the Thunder won't. No, that's but a like, good example. Actually, similar to the Suns in some ways. Yeah, but that's two franchises already does he need a third give him uh, okc put it <laughs> 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 he, took, he took that bad team to the playoffs hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline Um, Chris Dival said, if you could protect three players to be injury-free all playoffs, which three? I don't think it's the big three, he said. If you had to pick only two of Beal, Allen, or Gordon to have in a playoff series, who do you pick? And is it different from Minnesota OKC? So these are different questions. Okay, so let's start with the first one. If you could protect three players to be injury-free all playoffs, which three? Is big three for me. Easy. Right? I think it's the big three, too. I'm going to guess yeah. that Chris is saying that because uh, he's worried about Nurkic. I can't speak for him because that's not how these mailbag podcasts work. Yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> yeah, you can't hear <laughs> us now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, Chris, that you're talking about Nurk, uh, which I understand. Look, there's, there's a real case that, like, if Bradley Beal went down in the playoffs, maybe they'd still survive a playoff series. Uh, yeah, but, but they if, wouldn't win. But if... Yeah. They wouldn't win at all either way. But mm -hmm. if Nurkic went down, they're going down. But if Nurkic could, went could down you, and could you, you could say that? guarantee that Kevin Durant is healthy, now you're playing uh, injury-free Kevin Durant at center uh, for extended minutes in the playoffs. You and feel better sprinkle, about that. Sprinkle like. in 25 minutes of Thad Young. <laughs> to uh, Thad Young and yeah, Bull Bull coming in there, blocking a shot in, in eight minutes. Yeah, I think it's still the big three, but I, I understand the temptation uh, with the season that Brad has had to maybe look at other names. If you had to pick only two of Beal, Allen, or Gordon to have in a playoff series, who do you pick, and is it different for these teams, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavs, or the it's Pelicans. Always Beal and Allen. I think so too. Yeah, it's, it's always an Beal easy and choice. Allen. Yeah, and I think the advantage of Gordon is that he's another guy that can still do some of those things that you have on top of Beal and Allen. But Beal's ability to get into the paint, to penetrate, to find the right guys off passes, and then of course can potentially explode for thirty points. It's been long enough that he's been wearing a mask that maybe we forgot about that. Um, is enough to obviously Beal is in there. And then Allen just being consistent so far this season is enough for me as well. I love Eric Gordon, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah. Uh, this is from Go On My Sons. Would a three-on-three -three tournament fix All-Star Saturday night? Last night was <laughs> meh, they said. 
Uh, first of all, I had fun watching. We watched well, it on playback, so maybe that was part of it. I think we watched it. To, yeah, we watched it together and with our small little community, and kind of yeah. were slinging jokes back and forth, and like yeah. the the fun that we derived out of it was laughing together at the events, which I think someone just sitting by themselves on their couch (laughs) did not have the same experience (laughs) as we did. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, God, the takes, we get the same takes every year about All-Star Saturday, and it is just the beast that will not die. Uh, And I don't want it to. (laughs) You know, I want it to continue. I think there are things that we could do to change it. To answer the question directly, three-on-three tournament would be fun. Uh, I think the players uh, have too much ego to embrace that tournament. Either they wouldn't take it seriously or they'd be afraid of, of other guys taking it too seriously. Um, There's just no chance that it would work. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, the All-Star people, game, we, we're recording this before the All-Star game. I have a feeling there's going to be at least 75% of that game completely uncompetitive with nobody guarding the rim. Sure, of course. Fake dunk contest. It's going to be yeah. bad. And that's how a three-on-three tournament would work too. They're not going to risk injury by competing really hard in a three-on-three tournament. It would be fake but, basketball. A one-on-one tournament, which will also never happen for similar reasons, would just be the cream of the crop. Would be so fun. Would be here's so one fun. fix: uh, get people announcing that like it, and not yeah. Kenny Smith that <laughs> appears to hate it. <laughs> he sucks. He sucks big time. That would probably help a lot. And here's my other hot take: the dunk contest isn't bad. Your expectations are too high. Everyone watching. Well, the Kenny what Smith. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What they're doing in the dunk contest every year is amazing. We have lost all perspective and the ability to enjoy it. Is it because we? expectations are are out of out of but, control? But is it we or is it just the boomers and Kenny Smith who have lost perspective? Like that first, <laughs> I don't know. The first Mac McClung dunk of the night, where he let go of the ball midair and then clasped it again, was his best well i don't know if it was his best dunk of the night but it was one of the best dunks of the night and was scored as maybe the worst dunk of the entire (laughs) competition uh that one guy whose name i forget not dominique wilkins but the other boomer on the judge panel gave it a 46 and yeah to kenny smith what you're saying about kenny smith is not a hot take dude everyone everyone wants kenny smith out of there if anything it proves the power of a catchphrase if you can hammer down a strong enough catchphrase that will exist in people's minds for years and decades as all of us longtime nostalgic NBA fans warmly embrace the the Kenny Smith days of old, the let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's and over. The, you know, yeah. It's over. That yeah. has allowed him to continue to exist on these broadcasts for 20 years when in reality 90% of the time he's playing a contrarian role that no one is asking him to play. You he's know, he's the, just t- sucking the excitement out of the broadcast. Yes. The rights for nationally broadcasted games are going to be up soon and we're going to have people bidding on them and i did find myself thinking after yesterday that maybe it's bad that the best broadcast tnt which they still are the best by the end of the next rights deal like all their best people are going to be in their like 60s and 70s (laughs) i don't know maybe and all the younger people that are on that network are, you know, they're good sometimes. None of them are really popping as like TV personalities here. There's not a lot going on there. I'm not sure yeah, but what it's y- going to look like. What 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 television broadcasts are going to look like by the end of the next deal? 
Yeah, well, I, that's a great point because I don't know what television is going to look like by the end of the next deal in general. But you know, the, yeah. inside the NBA guys, any of them individually would not have would would not have been the success story that they are. It's their chemistry together. Yeah, they truly are the o four o five Detroit Pistons that. <laughs> With without any individual, as much as Shaq and Charles wouldn't want to admit this to be true, they are they're not the Shaq and Charles of the broadcasting world. They're closer yeah. to the Rip Hamilton and the Tayshawn Prince of <laughs> the broadcasting world. They need to be elevated by other pieces, uh, such as I Ernie Shaq, Johnson and Kenny Smith. Yeah, Shaq. Uh, well, I think mostly Chuck Ernie. Kind of Chuck t- does kind of outshine the rest of them at times, even when he shows up by himself in other broadcasts. But I do agree with you still. I do. Uh, yeah, I do weep. I weep for a potential NBA future. I'm imagining like, and just cable completely dying as we've never seen before, and NBA on TNT broadcast in like 2032, featuring a panel of like Draymond Green and Patrick Beverly, and just oh, thinking, oh yeah. my god, how did we get here? <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the next deal. This question is from Liam Porter. He asks. Was Ishbia's gamble in bringing in KD and Beal borderline irresponsible? And then he adds, I say this as a big fan of both players. I'm not knocking them. And my response to Liam is, absolutely yes. That doesn't necessarily mean it was the wrong choice. This is a huge gamble. A massive gamble. And I would argue just the trade that was made for Kevin Durant alone how many GMs would have done that? Just a few in the league probably would have done it because of how much it puts your job on the line immediately. Well, if they had, uh, mm, if they had the assets, a lot of GMs would have done it. Not all. I don't all think of them. that's true, man. The Suns Not gave up a lot, them. a lot for Kevin Durant. I don't know. We gave up some pick swaps, and the Nets fans hate Mikael Bridges already, which that's another. Of story, course, but of course. He's, but he's how many back. other? By the way, how folks, often does that happen? That, Mikhail Bridges that, that in, is, is coming back in 2026. I don't know if any of you are following the storylines, but he does not like <laughs> yeah. it out there. So that's score one for Ishbia. We won that one. Um, I, okay, even if you're right, even if only a few other GMs would have done that, yes, it is It is borderline irresponsible, I suppose, yes. for Ishbia to have done what yeah. he did. I, I think what it is, though, is not truly understanding. Like, for me, it's less about the KD trade as we know who KD is. But, like, not even fully coming to terms with the new CBA when he pulled the trigger on these deals. Like, I don't even, I'm not even 100% sure he understood the ramifications. And I kind of love him for the fact that he still did it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's the type of move that I think Matt Ishby bought the team and he was like, we're trading for Kevin Durant now because I have the team now and I want my tenure of this team to be defined by big moves like this and he pushed it through immediately and I think in some ways gave all the leverage to the Nets to do it but you know it still could work out and it still could be okay but I don't think that it was like this guaranteed thing that it's definitely going to work out that's what happens in the NBA everything is a gamble and uh, you know if if it comes back to bite you in the ass at the end at least you tried to win. <laughs> At least you, know? you had balls. Yeah. I like my owners with balls. Matt Ishbia <laughs> has large balls, and I'm a huge fan. I am a huge fan of the fact. I still think about where I just like my instant reactions to the Kevin Durant trade. To think that that was only a year ago, and it feels like 
a lifetime ago to me, honestly. I mean, it's it's remarkable. Here we are, 33 and 22. <laughs> We're going to win it all, yeah. Mike. Serve me up the next question. We have uh, a few questions on Devin Booker's shoes, which were released. We're recording this before the All-Star game, right before it, so yesterday. Um, and I'll, I'll read a couple of them. Did we try to pick up Book 1s or All-Star jerseys? This is from Nate Sun. Um, rank the colorways. This is from Ian. And let's see, we got one more. Do you have a favorite colorway from someone named Cheppy? Um, did you try to buy any book ones? No. I did. It was sold out within seconds, it yeah, appears. That's, I so, assumed that that would happen. Do you, there's been, uh, there's only, for the record, there's only three colorways that we know for sure went on sale. The orange ones, which only had 400. The Orwood Brown, that they're calling the Mirage, which were the ones that went on sale on the 17th. Those, that was the main real release. Um, and those sold out within minutes everywhere online. And then we know about, I think they're calling them the ashen blue ones, which are blue ones that could be, I think in a week, they're going to be for sale in retail stores and supposedly are going to have a larger amount. So there's only three that we know for sure are going to be available. One, one of the colorways at least had to be more exclusive than 400. Probably my favorite colorway is the orange one, just because I associate it with the suns. Um, I know. I just think it looks good too. Yeah. I don't know how many of these are going to be for sale, but he's also worn other colorways, like just like on the court this Mm -hmm. season. One of them, I think, was called the Shattered Backboard colorway, which was also orange. It was like orange and black. and That uh, one looked great. White. It was like a tricolor thing. That one was cool. I just like incorporating the sun's colors. I'm a pretty easy man to please. If there's purple in there, if there's orange in there, then I'm a Did you see the All-Star jersey-inspired ones that he had in Indianapolis? I'm not sure I saw. No, I'm not. You sure should I look saw those, those. You should look those up now to take a look at them. They're very cool. He based them on the Suns All Star jerseys, I believe, from the 1995 All Star game that was here in Phoenix. Classic jerseys, purple jerseys with a cactus on the jersey. Oh, and that, that is in them. a classic jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So he made a colorway based on that. I'm not a huge fan of how those shoes we look. Gotta, we knowing gotta, how they, knowing that they're inspired by the the jersey which I found out after I initially saw them, did make me like them more, admittedly. Um, but I, I personally, I'll say if I'm ranking the colorways, orange number one and the the mirage number two, the ashen blues, I'll be honest, I don't really like, but I like to see people buy them and I'm sure they, they'll look good with people who have a different perspective on style. I, I really did want the mirage ones uh, because they're just so easy to wear with anything. Unfortunately, they sold out right away. I'm going to keep an eye on the... Uh, secondary market and see maybe i'll buy a pair <laughs> okay good luck do you buy all-star jerseys that was another question all-star jerseys mm-hmm. no I've, n- I've never bought an all-star jersey i thought um, they i, think, I thought they I look pretty cool. good uh, to yeah. be honest i am just not enough of like a hot shot collector i don't have enough money to yeah. burn to, to buy a ton exactly. like, <laughs> that's part of it, i yeah. buy i buy sons jerseys and then maybe secondhand jerseys of like other players sometimes but yeah. i'm not after the most exclusive stuff just because i can't afford to be <laughs> it's not yeah. not my main thing uh, this is another question from Nate, who also asked about the All-Star jerseys in book once. He said, do you really think any type of point guard is necessary? Uh, considering in the playoffs, it mostly breaks down to ISO and mismatches of the ball in the best player's hands. Um, now, if the Suns signed a point guard with their last roster spot, I don't think they would play in the playoffs. So I, I think, Nate, you probably are feeling the same way. Sam, you feel the same way, I assume, too, right? Yeah, just about the playoffs. I think he's right. Yeah, a point guard now, if they were to sign a point guard for the rest of the season, 
I think it's pretty smart in that when when Bradley Beal went down recently, uh, they had to play Saban Lee. They needed to find minutes for someone to be able to to move with the ball in his hands. The thing I like about Saban Lee, we talk about him again in a little bit, is just how quickly he gets the ball down the floor every single time he has it. Like it's it's past the the half court line within like two or three seconds as soon as he gets the ball. And I just appreciate how fast the Suns get into their offense in that case. So. Maybe it is Saban Lee, once again. At least for the rest of the season, he probably has enough games where when they need him, he could probably play. Let's see. Max asked another uh, playoff seeding question. If it shakes out that Minnesota and OKC are the one and two seeds, would you rather be in the play-in and play one of them or play (laughs) Denver and LAC as the five seed? No, I don't want to be in the play-in because if you're in the play-in and you lose two games in a row, then you're out. Seven game series have a good rate of the better team winning. Single games can be affected just by three point shooting variance alone. You can absolutely get hammered in a single game by any team if they just happen to make 60% of their threes on that one night. I'm not going to risk the play in. Especially if, if one of those teams it. is like Steph Curry and the Warriors. You know, it's just like you right. can easily lose. Uh, an ill-timed or have an ill-timed performance from your stars yeah not worth it it is not worth it just uh lock in the fifth or sixth seed at that point if you have to and try and go to war with the clippers or or nuggets and then what will be will be uh this is from man k what are some matchups you guys are most interested in post all-star break Mm. now the suns very we've been talking about it a lot the suns have a pretty terrifying schedule for the rest of the season uh, with March being just a gauntlet of playoff team after playoff team after playoff team. I think when we talked about the season, before the season began, some of the games that we pointed at towards the end of the season were the Boston games. Now those, yeah. I think, in some ways we were looking at in a way to think, well, the Suns are going to be extremely good, Boston's going to be extremely good, and that'll be interesting to see the Suns play against them. Boston has been much better than the Suns so far this season, in some ways, those are less interesting now. Well, they're still, uh, for no, me. they're still very interesting. But they're First still all, interesting, yes. Those two games take place uh, within a week of each other. Uh, so hopefully, both teams are like relatively healthy. Otherwise, you know, because that's the only way we're actually going to get good games there. Um, mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. you know, like hopefully there's not a random Bradley Beal injury that springs up or, or whatever. Uh, you want to see how you match up against Boston. If we're going to make the finals, it's probably 80% chance. I think you could even argue higher. It's going to be Boston. Um, You need to be able to beat Boston. I would consider going one and one in those two games, a win with where the Suns are right now. The Suns are three games behind the Denver Nuggets right now, and they play the Nuggets twice. So if the Suns are trying to rise in the playoff standings, I think those two Nuggets games that they play, um, in the rest of the season are probably two games that I'm looking at as really important. The other ones are Dallas because the Suns want to have any sort of tiebreaker against Dallas if they end up tied with Dallas, who's obviously below them in the standings but has been playing well. And then two games against the New Orleans Pelicans, which is the same situation. The Pelicans are right at the Suns' heels in the playoff standings. If you put two games between you and them just by beating them twice, that gives you a little breathing room. So the ones that the the teams that are the closest to the Suns, but just right behind them, I think those games are going to be some of the more important games of the season. And those teams that are playing for their playoff lives are going to play their asses off against the Suns. So you need the Suns to play well in those ones to win. Any other thoughts on that? No, I think you said it all. Um, 
You know, interestingly enough, some of the other teams that maybe previously were more exciting, like Milwaukee games, are less exciting now. We already beat them once, and yeah. I think we have we have one more coming up against them. Uh, they're just not as scary as they used to be. Yeah, they're just not. I we'll see if they figure it out with Doc, but I don't know. They kind of look like toast to me. We'll see. I'm probably saying that prematurely. You shouldn't bet against the talent of Dame and uh, Damon Giannis, yeah. but I don't know. They got a lot to figure out. They're not playing well. The Suns did beat them in the last game with with no Dame, and then Chris Middleton was hurt in the first quarter. So uh, healthy would be different. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, this is from Monraj Gill. He said, "What are your guys' favorite non-Suns players all time and currently?" I didn't. That's interesting. I didn't see that question before reading it out loud here. Who comes to mind when I ask you that, Sam? Uh. Let's see. So all time, I mean, look, I, I'm a 2000s kid. I grew up primarily in the 2000s. So, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I like LeBron. I think yeah. it would be very sad when LeBron finally leaves us. Uh, I'm also kind of tired of his his corniness. So, yeah. <laughs> um, one guy is like Dirk. I would say. Um, oh yeah, Dirk was fun. You know, like mid 2000s, height of the Suns Mavs rivalry. I I think there was some saltiness felt toward, or some coldness felt towards Dirk. But I think everyone. Everyone uh, came around on him by 2011, uh, and yeah. 2011 sort of just changed his. I, I think 90 percent of people already liked Dirk a lot, but after 2011, especially, it was just cemented his legend status. Uh, speaking of LeBron, so yeah, Dirk. For if we're talking about past stars, current players, uh, we were talking about Jalen Brunson in the three point contest last night. He's he's probably one of my favorite players in the NBA right now. Who's not a son? Easiest to yeah. root for. I'm I'm a little bit older than you, obviously. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is when I was a kid, uh, younger Shaq dominating in the NBA was very exciting. I think just because of how much uh, better he was than everybody and how insane it was to watch a giant dominate, especially when you're a kid. You know, they just look like almost like another species or something. They're just so much bigger and stronger than anything you could imagine when you're a kid. So Shaq was like a huge. Uh, player in my life when I was a kid. Once I became more of a Suns fan, I think the hate the hatred of the Lakers sort of over overcame a little bit of that. Well, so and that also Shaq's uh, tenure with the Suns by by yeah, that time technically you were, he was a Suns player. Yeah, <laughs> by that time you were much older, but maybe the uh, the luster wore off. <laughs> it oh for sure. I mean for sure. Once after Miami, basically it was over, which is un- unfortunately is when he came to the Phoenix Suns. LeBron is up there for me too. Though I mean. Young LeBron watching him play, I think it coincided with the Suns being bad, like a lot of LeBron's height, which I think it was was kind of helpful. And at the beginning, I think you can make the case for Steph Curry too. At the beginning of Steph Curry really peaking, the Suns were bad, so I actually enjoyed Steph Curry because there was no chance of the Suns losing to them in the playoffs. So a lot of that actually happened with LeBron as well because his height was right at the, as the Suns were kind of going down a little bit. And uh, so I really enjoyed LeBron. I really enjoyed Steph early. Right. I still like LeBron. You know, admittedly, he's a Laker, but I still like LeBron. Steph, at the Warriors, I just like less, be, being that they're more of a threat to the Suns right now. I like Steph, but I dislike how he makes Warriors fans happy. Also, since we're talking about <laughs> Steph, uh, I, I, you just did remind me of another player who I loved in like middle school 15 years ago, and that was Monte Ellis. Uh, who oh, played yeah. on some horrible Warriors <laughs> teams. And once upon a time, when Steph Curry was just ankle injury, Steph Curry, is he ever going to stay healthy? Is Steph, this Steph guy, he can shoot pretty well, but he's going to play more than 60 games. 
Uh, I remember telling my friends, probably at the lunch table, eighth grade Sam, that the Warriors should just trade Steph Curry and build around Monte Ellis. And <laughs> it's 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 good that I uh, that thirteen year old me was not an NBA GM. So that's another player I'd throw in the bucket. Monte Ellis, he had it all. Uh, Benito asks us, will we reach a point where Royce will start? Uh, seems like it should be uh, worth it, ex- worth exploring it come playoff time. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but there are scenarios where Royce could start. I think, you know, even if the Suns were like, we're going to try starting Royce post All-Star break, I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I do think the Suns starting lineup has been really good with Grayson Allen, so there's no point in changing it now. But I understand if they want to get minutes with those uh, lineups before the playoffs come. But what do you think? Um, yeah, uh, Grayson is still the favorite in my eyes. Um, he, he is the favorite right now. He will continue to be the favorite. I think Royce has to do quite a bit of work in order to leapfrog him in the rotation. That being said, he will play heavy minutes. Uh, he, he will play 20-plus minutes probably from here on out in pretty much every game. And so he could start, but we have to see a lot before it actually happens. Uh, this is from Doc B. Law. Will the Thad Young signing affect Eubanks or Bull Bull more as far as getting their minutes cut? And the same question is uh, whose minutes will be cut more if they sign someone like Otto Porter Jr.? Um, what do you think? I think probably Eubanks, right? I think probably Eubanks, yes. Um, I, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I think there's another question that someone asked about, like, eight-man rotation. What would the eight-man rotation be? Yeah. Um, and I'm just linking them together because I think they're intrinsically linked. The eight-man rotation would be the current starting five plus Royce plus Eric Gordon. And then the eighth guy would be insert big here. Uh, there's only room for one out of Thad, Eubanks, and Bull Bull. So I think there's a world where Thad basically takes both guys' minutes completely uh, once we get into, like, you know, a second-round playoff series or, or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, but until if then... If he keeps playing really well, he has to continue to play really well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he well, he has to start... We're talking about Thad Young, right? He has to... Yeah, I mean, he's 35. He has so, to start playing know, yeah. <laughs> really well because mm-hmm. he has, you know, hasn't logged a minute for us yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the regular season, though, I, th- I think you could pretty easily... Uh, you could play all of them. You know, you could give Eubanks his 10 minutes and Thad his 10 minutes and Bowl his 10 minutes. And honestly, it... I think there's room in the rotation for all three guys. It's going to be kind of confusing for Vogel to sort out, but I think he probably likes the challenge. I would say I, I don't have the actual number in front of me, but I'm guessing Bull Bull has played like 80, 85% of his minutes at power forward. So I feel like he's least likely to lose minutes in that. I don't think that young can, he can technically, he's the size of a power forward. He can technically play power forward, but the Suns want to have four shooters out there, at least four guys who are a threat to shoot. Thad Young is not that. So I think he's likely going to play more minutes at center. So Drew Eubanks is more at risk for losing minutes. And that's probably the most likely scenario um, for them. It is kind of weird just thinking about the NBA in general, just how long there was bigs that were just rim runners and how the NBA is just moving further and further and further away from bigs just being rim runners now, you know, like, uh, the Suns, if they play Thad Young and Nurkic as the only two bigs, they're not going to have any like lob threat, vertical threat, just a screen and roll type player playing on the team like at all. <laughs> you know, they, they're just going to play without that, which I don't think is that crazy necessarily because the Nuggets just won a championship without doing that. Um, so I guess there's something that's possible. 
there are still teams that love those types of players and, and are really going to emphasize that style of play. Perfect example, the Dallas Mavericks with what Luka Doncic does. But I think you need you need the heliocentric piece that I think the Suns don't have. Uh, and, and all the better for it <laughs> that they don't have that. Yeah, I, would rather, right. I would rather they build their offense out of a multifaceted approach with guys in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and to a lesser extent Bradley Beal who can all do everything uh, and aren't just step back three, lob at the rim, or layup, or grift for free throws, you know? So I, I think it's uh, I think it points to a more versatile offense, not less. Uh, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good observation on your part. If Sean, This is from Mars. If Sean Marion doesn't get into the Hall of Fame this year with hardly any competition, is it safe to say it will never happen? Mm. That's kind of depressing. I haven't thought about that very much. What do you think? Uh... I'm not sure. You know what? I think it's really tough. You know what I'm thinking about is the fact that this is an equally depressing thought. Walter Davis is in the list of finalists this year, and they put him in because he died. Right. Like Wal- Walter Davis was a six-time All-Star. I think he made multiple All-NBA teams. There's probably a case for him to be in for a while, and then this is just kind of how those honorary societies work. Sometimes is you die and your name is in the is in the spotlight again, and now he might get into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, so I hope that doesn't happen to Sean Marion, obviously. Um, but it like, how else could it happen? I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, he he's the type of guy that could be uh, every year up for consideration, and just depending on if there's less and less less competition, depending on the year, maybe could make it in. But if the competition is bad, I haven't looked at the. Uh, the guys eligible to be in the hall this year if the competition is bad this year and he doesn't get in i would say that it's probably not a good sign for him making it in i think he he changed the league and everyone understands that he changed the league the four-time all-star part really hurts him yeah right because i i feel like the number in the nba unless with the exception of if you're one of these international players who has like a really strong olympics resume to or a college resume or something to go off of uh six is like kind of the minimum number of all-star appearances that you need to really be competitive in there and and amari has exactly that number for the record he has six i was just looking up how many all-stars draymond green had he only has like three he has four as well he has four okay he's gonna make it because he just has too many championships and yeah uh he rode he rode steph's coattails to $500 $500 million, not that much, but to, uh, to a lot of money and a lot of <laughs> Hundreds of millions, yeah. And a Hall of Fame resume. Yeah, sad to say, but he did. Does, is there any other questions that we didn't get to that you want to get to? I can pick a few here, but I wanted to make sure you had the opportunity. Um, we're not going to get to all of them, unfortunately. So I have not been following along the same... where Our questions are in different orders. So right. just anything, anything you think is good let's see there's a couple um, i'm i feel like i need to do like a, a, a i need to check in on suns fans because there's surprisingly like four questions maybe even five about what the suns look like after kevin durant already <laughs> and like really? that's years away wow at this point you know they're talking you know there's a question about how long the championship window is and what what does it look like to rebuild after that sure. there's people who just ask what's the 
you know, best case scenario and what it's going to look like post KD just in general. I'm not necessarily uh, offended by the championship window question. I think no, 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 that one's fair. Yeah, I think you shouldn't be (laughs) you you shouldn't be thinking or you should take a deep breath if you're thinking already about what it's going to look like after Kevin Durant because we're hoping that's another like three years away. Uh, But what's the championship window? The championship window is whatever Devin Booker's window is. I think they're, yeah, I think that post post Kevin Durant, like Bradley Beal's still going to be signed. I think he has one year after Durant on, on, uh, on his contract. He's got that no trade clause. The Suns have the opportunity to move him only if he wants to be moved. But I think with what the way Matt Ishbia talks about running this team, if if Devin Booker is still playing at his peak at that time, and I imagine he still will be pretty damn good, it's a few years from now, they're going to try to build another winner around him and keep doing it. They, they'll have cap space depending on what the cap will be at that time, depending on how they build. Like you mentioned, maybe it's Mikhail Bridges coming back uh, and, and he's surrounded by you know Bradley Beal, whatever's left of him, and then Devin, Devin Booker, I don't know. Well, but I yep. imagine they're still going to try to build a winner at that point. I, I can't imagine they're going to try and flip it they're and ne- start they're not rebuilding from the ground. I don't think they're going to punt yeah. and rebuild as long as they have Devin Booker uh, under contract. Now, what's interesting about it, though, the other thing they need to do, maybe cap space frees up at some point. Eventually, we know they don't have many picks, but eventually they need to start hitting on some picks. It could be the 30th pick in the first rounds where you're in the second apron and you know, your pick gets bumped down to the end of the first round because of the new rules, yeah. or it could be a second round pick that you acquire from someone else. But eventually, you need to start replacing pieces. This is how good teams stay good by yeah. drafting talent, having talent that exceeds expectations, re signing that talent, and then maybe even two or three years after that, flipping that talent in more trades for more yeah. talent. You know, like this is like to use the Warriors as, as an example, the Warriors are in the mindset where they're going to continue to compete. For as long as Steph Curry is good. Steph Curry is getting up there, very up there in age. But they are finally now at a point where they're willing to admit that Draymond uh, is is a nuisance and uh, Clay is a complete negative. Well, maybe not a complete negative, but Clay is mostly a negative, I think, as he's, they go into the playoffs. He's not, he's not starting for them. So he's not starting. They just started. They, they pa- definitely view him that way at the They very just least. started Brandon Pajemski over Clay for the first time, which was a huge step for that franchise in admitting that that's the next step for them. They need to continue rebuilding around Steph in any possible way that they can because Steph is the guy. But in order to get there, they need to draft well and they need to attract free agents and they need to do all of the requisite things. The Suns are going to approach it the same way. Just substitute Steph Curry with Devin Booker. Uh, that is if Devin Booker turns out to be a lifer with this franchise, which I hope. It but, appears uh, you never know. To be, yeah. There are no guarantees. Uh, last, we'll do one last question. This is from L to the OG. Vibe check: Are we back or is it over? We are so back. <laughs> we're recording this after, uh, or sorry, we're recording this before, like twenty minutes before the All Star game. So mm-hmm. I hope we're about to have a lot of fun watching Devin Booker and Kevin Durant throw down some dunks in the All Star game. But as for the Suns, as an overall body, overall franchise, yeah, yeah. we've got a great owner. We've got an awesome starting five. We've got a bench that's coming together. Royce O'Neal, Thad Young. We're riding the Royce O'Neal plus minus wave right now. So we're we still have on that. a G League team or news of a G League team <laughs> that is coming. We are back. We've never been this back. I, I Stay will with say us as we continue still, to be we're back. We're absolutely more than we have a ever we're back been back. cycle. 
we are on a we're back cycle. It would be nice if Bradley Peel didn't hurt his hamstring right before the All-Star break. And I'm hoping we get good news about that very soon. But I would say that we're still on that we're back cycle. Um, you got anything else before we before we go, Sam? Uh, that's all. All See right. Well, thank you, everyone, for sticking around. Thank you for all the questions. I apologize that we didn't get to everything. It's just too difficult to get to all of them now. Too many questions. Um, but if you'd like to join our Patreon to hear extra podcasts every week, it's patreon.com slash the timeline. If you do join $6 a month for extra podcasts every week, and you can join us on Discord for as low as $3 a month, all tiers are in the Discord. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to those who have joined, and I hope you do get a chance to join. We're looking forward to this final stretch of the NBA season, and we'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>